The following program is brought to you by Podcast One Sportsnet. Don't forget to download our new Podcast One app. Welcome to RJ Bell's Dream Preview. Weekly winners from his Wise Guy Roundtable. Broadcasting from the pregame.com studios in Las Vegas. Here is RJ Bell. Bonus Dream Preview Edition with the Wise Guy 101. In front of me, Mr. Brad Powers. I'm RJ Bell. And guys, it is nearly 11 o'clock Pacific time, Thursday night. A lot of you might think, wait a minute, in Vegas, the action tipped off right around 9 a.m. What are you guys doing 14 hours later? Well, that's a simple answer. It's true. Brad's here grinding, baby. And he had no, you know, I tell you, you would think you'd have to twist his arm, but we didn't. I didn't. He's a grinder, baby. That's why he's going to make it to the top, in my opinion. Here's what we're going to do. We are going to break down all eight of Saturday's games with the early lines. That way you can get them out nice and early, or you can have access nice and early on Friday morning, or obviously listen on Saturday. And that's it. That's all we're doing here. We're going over these eight games. Any recap that's required due to, uh, or not necessarily due to, but anything where the Thursday games really matter, we're going to be talking about it for sure, but it's more about these Saturday games, and we want to give you the picks and the previews. You got to, you're going to give us a best bet, Brad? Absolutely. And a best bet. Yep. Blossom and everything. Yep. All right, first, quickly, let's talk a little macro. Biggest impression Thursday. Uh, a little bit chalky of a day. Uh, I would say lines are tight. And eight of the 16 games, RJ, came within one bucket of the final closing number. So uh, you usually don't get that on a typical night, uh, Tuesday night in February. Maybe 10% of the games fall within a bucket uh, of the number. Today, a lot. I mean, you could have had a really good day or a really bad day just off of one bucket. Objectively, what you're saying is true. Dave Esler emailed in some thoughts. So did Fezzik. We'll be sharing those as we go. And Fezzik's thought, one of his, was obviously how chalky it was. Now, the Buffalo win, plus nine or so at close, that's a big upset, no doubt. And you look and think, oh, Loyola, upset. They were plus one, (laughs) right? And Alabama, they were plus two. So, yeah, underdogs winning, but when every winner except one, when 15 out of 16 are either the favorite or a dog of two points or less, that's a chalky day with the one big upset. Now, does that, obviously we're not going to have the benefit of Friday's action to talk about right now because it is Thursday night. Does it make you evaluate, you know, we hear about parity. Oh, this is the year of parity. We heard that last year, too. Does that make you reconsider that? It's only a handful of games, obviously. No, it really doesn't. Just too small of a sample size. Uh, not a small enough of a sample size for me to realize, hey, the lines are tighter than normal. And I think another valuable point, and I think Fez will bring it up, but another great point is shop around because there's a point of difference across a lot of these casinos, not only in Vegas, but but some of your other places if you're offshore. And that can make a big difference, obviously. And it would have made the difference in two or three games today, just shopping around, getting the best of the number. Well, here's what I can say. And I was having, I have a little story. After four games, I want to take a little break, <laughs> quick you one, should. and talk about the uh, my dinner at the Bellagio. And it's going to be pretty interesting tonight. Uh, I, or at least there's some fun stories, let's say that at minimum. But one of the things we were talking about was how if you want to lose weight, there's no secret. Right? Work out a bunch, eat a bunch of vegetables, you're going to lose weight 99 out of 100 times. It's just not fun to <laughs> lose weight. And tonight at the buffet, I prove that. Now, it's a, it's, it's a similar thing with betting like a professional better. 
is it's not as obvious what to do. And part of our job at pregame.com is to help you understand here's the way a pro bets. And I think we do an excellent job of that. What is, I think, equally as important is try to really push to you guys the things you can do that aren't hard, right? If we say never bet a Monday night game unless you think there's great value, that means you're probably sitting out 13 of the 16 Monday night games. You're betting three maybe, maybe, maybe four, or maybe two. Most people don't want to do that. And to me, my advice is going to be, listen, just make make it a pizza bet, as we like to call it. Whatever you normally bet, bet. And and again, if you're only betting a pizza amount anyway, then bet you know bet for some bubble gum, whatever it is. Bet- Caesars, five dollar hot and ready. <laughs> whatever it is, bet about you know a fifth or so on your TV games. Just don't bet everyone, and then you're in the long run, you're going to be much better off, right? And there's all kind of ways to bet like a pro. Some are very difficult. Some aren't so difficult. The biggest impactful thing you can do to bet like a pro is get a couple of outs. To me, once you get that third out, especially if you can at least have one sharp line, one square line, the sharp line usually is going to have the favorite lower and the square line is going to have the favorite a little higher. If the line's four, four and a half, if you have that choice, that have and, and once you have a third line, yeah, that fourth line, that fifth line, that nineteenth line with Fezzik, <laughs> you can you can certainly find those half points, but you're going to get a big big chunk of your value with three lines. If you can get three outs, yeah, it takes a little bit of work to find the outs. It takes the work to keep the counts maintained. You know, obviously you're in Vegas; it's a lot easier, but that is probably. of the value you could get betting like a pro just by having three outs. And so strong recommendation today shows you how many games were so close. Buddy of mine bet, I think nine games today. He's betting like 33 games, just having fun. He lives in town. I said, get three books. So he got CG, which was a sharp line. He got stations. He got William Hill, both square lines, figuring he's going to play more dogs. He had nine bets today. Two of them he pushed instead of lost or either pushed instead of lost or one instead of pushed. So it was a full game swing, one unit swing because he shopped. If he would have just had one out, he would have lost. So that's a lot. But boy, you're going to have if you have one out versus three and you're betting a normal amount, let's say in the month of February where you're betting college basketball every day, uh, I'd have to guess you're going to have six or seven Units are going to swing off of those half points. Does that sound about yeah, right? Yeah, it does. Uh, every third day, you'll you'll have one of those happen to you. Now, Dave Esler emailed in, and by the way, Brad is. I'm not exactly sure. I think we'll have to grade the Kentucky as a push. Mm-hmm. Though, from what I can see, far more than half the people won, and Kentucky was your dream preview best bet, and. Why don't, you, why don't you tell us a little bit about the end of that game? Well, uh, 20 I mean, seconds. All right. 55 seconds left. Kentucky laying five. Kentucky up 11 points in the game. And then you get the foul shenanigans at the end. You're still in good shape. With two seconds left, Kentucky's up 78-70. Long three bounces off the rim, goes all the way back about 30 feet. Guy throws up a prayer. Buzzer. Davidson. Hits a three. Final score, Kentucky 78-73. Push. But I shot the round and got a four and a half. So it didn't hurt me as much. But it did hurt the dream preview because I did give it out at minus five. You done? I'm done. Those <laughs> <laughs> uh, bad beat stories. But many people won that. We're grading it as a push. Other two won. They didn't need to worry about it. They won yeah. outright or, or cleanly, let's say. So good, good start. You're going to have a best bet today. Only other thing I'll tease a little bit is we are going to be talking conferences. One of the concepts that we talked about was we don't really know for sure pre-tournament exactly how good these conferences are. And once you start seeing three, four, five games, and eh, three not as much, but as you move towards five, you get a better feel of these conferences. Now, a lot of them, two and two, three and two, I'm not going to tell you too much, but when 
It's on the extremes and obviously Pac-12. Now, listen, they're all gone. So what's the difference, right? Pac-12 down arrow, but SEC up arrow. We got four SEC teams to talk about, and we're going to see if that conference, um, I think, reevaluation of the SEC is going to affect your handicap on these games. All right, eight games. We're going to go over each and every one. Showtime! Woo! Rhode Island Duke, opening line nine and a half, current line Duke favored by nine and a half. So Rhode Island obviously plays a much weaker schedule than Duke. An outlier line for Rhode Island, by far their largest underdog role of the season in this one. Although one common opponent, Rhode Island lost by 15 when they stepped up in class and played Virginia in the non-conference. We'll talk about Rhode Island's game because I think it's pertinent here. Rhode Island, a misleading final against Oklahoma, particularly the total that only went over because of the final couple seconds of overtime in that one in Rhode Island. Great second half in overtime, hit nine three-pointers to beat Oklahoma, a game that Rhode Island was outplayed for much of it. Duke, meanwhile, didn't have any problems with Iona, pretty much didn't have to extend much effort. Lean for me in this one is going to be on Duke, but I also prefer the under because of that misleading over in the Rhode Island game. All right, so 149 is the current total. Is that a lean or a like on the under? That's a lean because as misleading as Rhode Island, Oklahoma was, uh, Duke, the Duke game should have went over, but, and this is a great lesson, and Fez has been preaching this. So let's do this because... When you when we do the, and we talk about this, when you do the compound concepts and you kind of mumble between them, let's just break down each one. Okay. So the Rhode Island game, give us just nothing else but that. Give us what your total over under takeaway is with Rhode Island. Only misleading because of overtime. Twenty some points in overtime put it over by a couple of points. So that's misleading. All right. So you're saying obviously, you know, we joke about this on are straight out of Vegas, Fox National Show, 330 Stations, Sirius Channel 83, Friday night, Saturday night, is it's probably not misleading if a team covers by 10 in overtime when the scoreboard says OT, right? So, but you understand how square or recreational batters think is, do you think they look and say, huh, that game went over, Huh, it went into overtime. I don't care. That's an, It was an over. Do they think like that? Ten years ago, probably. Maybe not so much now. Uh, and, but I think the main factor of why I'm leaning with the under is we've talked about this for several weeks. Duke, since they switched to the zone defense, 8-1 and one now to the under in their games. And I've, So today's game with Duke, do you think the total, the way it fell, was indicative or misleading? A little bit misleading. Here's why. And Fez has mentioned this a lot. When Duke gets out to a big lead, they pretty much sit on the ball. And this line right here says that there's a chance that Duke can get out to a big lead because Duke's nearly a 10-point favorite here. And one of the reasons I also lean with Duke minus the points, I think Rhode Island has a chance of being tired in this one. They played three games in three days. Play finished up on Sunday. So they did finish on Sunday. Did finish on Sunday. You're traveling. And now today played... You know, an up-and-down game with Oklahoma and also went an extra session. So I expect Rhode Island to be tired. Okay, now that is interesting because when you play three games and Sunday, off Monday, off Tuesday, off Wednesday, but now you're playing, and this was an early start, 11.40 a.m. Pacific time. So, this, you know, second start in the day session. They go to Pittsburgh, so not huge travel, but travel. And now 48 hours, not used to this kind of turnaround. And as you mentioned, in one of Fezzik's email comments was, hey, look, Duke sits on the ball, takes the air out of the ball when they have a nice lead. So if you're favored by 10, nine and a half, let's round up to 10, is the theory is, okay, just teaser, let's think teaser-wise, it's going to be between 14 and 6. So there's half a chance or so it's going to be up there in double digits with four minutes left. Duke slows the game down a little bit. And that's what they did today. Absolutely. Now, assuming Rhode Island, of all the stuff you've talked about, Rhode Island's fatigue is the one that interests me the most. How, I mean, that would lend itself to what? Does Coach K say, because they're probably a little tired, we run harder? Could, does he, I, 
Yeah, I think in the first half, if I'm Coach K, I run at Rhode Island to see and test their legs to see if they, they have anything. I will say Rhode Island really didn't show tired legs because the better the two halves for Rhode Island was the second half today. And we especially saw Are that. Do they, they have a deep rotation, Rhode Island? And the typical seven, eight guys are their main ones. Well, what you do see when you have tired legs, RJ, usually the outside shot doesn't fall. That wasn't the case for Rhode Island today in the second half. Hit nine three-pointers, so they weren't showing tired legs at least. So you could make the case. Let me ask you this. Rhode Island got a lot of money against Oklahoma, and they closed a a fairly, uh, I mean, a small favor, but it was a significant move from Pickham to minus two on Rhode Island. If that game was replayed in three days, what's the line? Because it sounds like, hey, they shot... Quite well. I think it it sounds o- like Oklahoma probably is. Would you make them a small favor? Yeah. Oklahoma. I mean, are you downgrade? I, I guess that's the question. Yeah. Power ratings wise, what do you do with Rhode Island? Power rating I had on the game was Rhode Island by half point. But what I'm saying is, after this Oklahoma game, do you upgrade them, downgrade them? One Keaton? point downgrade for me. So you're downgrading them off yep. a win and a cover. Yep. All right. And and part of that is because they shot. They got. They got quote-unquote lucky being so hot with the threes. Yes. And what did you do with Duke? Duke stayed the same. Okay. No no upgrade or downgrade. So wrapping up, lean Duke, lean under. Yep. And what's keeping you off of Duke, it's a big number, and they don't worry as much about margin. What's keeping you from really liking the under is what? Why isn't this a... Duke's game today. Uh, because that's a game that probably should have went... 10, 15 points over the total. So you feel like the market has really caught up to this zone defense? Yes. They're, of the, the first six times the under cashed in this zone defense, average cover was by 28 points per game. The last two covers by a total like 10 points, RJ. And, and, if, the, I, and if I remember, there was no game. The, uh, the closest was, what, 16? Yep. And this is from your data. So, okay. Game number two, Alabama, Villanova. Now, first SEC, so at some point I want to talk about how you're evaluating the 4-0 from the SEC is, wait, yeah, SEC or yep. ACC? Yeah, yep. yeah, that's right. I was thinking Duke. Villanova, 10 and a half. And I already think the market is upgrading the SEC, or at least in this instance, Alabama, because I thought the number would come out like 12 with Villanova, the fact that it's 10 and a half. And keep in mind, Villanova is very impressive today. Today against Radford, won easily and covered, shot 60% from the field in that game. Alabama also had a great game offensively, shot 60% from the field in their win over Virginia Tech. But I just think the simple upgrade of Alabama and the probably the entire conference for the SEC looks like about a point or so. I'm going to go against that, actually, RJ. I'm going to lean with Villanova. Here's another case where Alabama played three games in three days misleading because this is an Alabama team. When was Bama's last game? Uh, Before today, it was last Saturday. So, and keep in mind, a little bit misleading. If their great guard, Colin Sexton, doesn't hit a buzzer beater, Alabama's in the NIT. And now they're in the second round. And all of a sudden, they've been significantly, it looks like they've been upgraded three or four points just off their last couple of games, which includes a 20-point loss against Kentucky. Villanova didn't extend hardly any effort today. Alabama was in an up-and-down game, 86-83 against Virginia Tech. I think Villanova eventually pulls away in the second half, lean Villanova. But not a like. Not a like. You're going to get a ton of likes coming up here. I know. I'm yeah. not trying to force it. So yeah. what's stopping you? Ten and a half's a lot. And the SEC looked impressive. I mean, I got at least respect that the SEC going 4-0 and exceeded expectations across the board today. So your power ratings updated, say this line should be 12. 12. And that was giving Alabama an upgrade. About a half a point to a point. Half point for their performance today, pulling an outright upset. It was probably a little closer to the final than what it should have been. I thought Alabama down the stretch should have won by five or six. And then another half point upgrade because the SECs look so good. So these are the two big favorites. There's nothing else right now above six. So now's the time to talk about it. One of the things we talked about on the main dream preview, and remember, We'll have the entire Sweet 16, all eight games, deep breakdown Wednesday a.m. That's when the weekly dream preview comes out. 
during basketball season, and this is a bonus edition. And by the way, we won't be doing a don't bet on it this week. We won't be doing a don't bet on it next week. We'll resume the week after that. And hopefully next week we can um, do the same kind of Thursday night look-see at the Saturday games for for the dedicated. So one of the things we talked about on the main show was how if it's the second game of the weekend, so Thursday, Saturday, teams are more inclined to worry, not worry about, but be open to margin. They're at 15, four minutes left. I mean, are they so worried about slowing the game down when they're going to have four or five days rest? Um, Are they, you know, are they so quick to put in the second string? How much do you consider, like if this Villanova game was the first game of the weekend, Versus the second, which it is, does that move the line a half a point? Would this line be ten if it's the first game? What kind of adjustment do you think there is for that? Yeah, I think it's worth a half point of adjustment, no question about it. And the thought behind that is, hey, we can go all out this game because we're not going to play another game for five or six days from now instead of just forty eight hours after this one. So I think it makes perfect sense about a half point. Yeah, and and really though, so the Saturday, do the Saturday people always play Thursday? No, oh, not so, always. Okay, that's interesting. All right. Okay, game number three. Rock Chalk, Jayhawk, Kansas, four and a half now. Opener was five and a half. Four and a half, Seton Hall. Like Kansas, minus the points here. And not really, a little bit surprised at the number. I thought the number would come out six, but Kansas has been bet against here multiple games in a row. Bet against in the Big 12 championship game, West Virginia, where Kansas closed an underdog. Bet against Penn, where Kansas went from 14 down to like 13, the second shortest favorite in a 116 matchup. Kansas was flat today, RJ. First 10 minutes was a disaster for them, getting beat by 10. After that, they played like the team that we saw last week in the Big 12. So hold on, when you say Kansas was flat today, you mean at a certain point during the game they were flat? They were flat the first 10 minutes. When they covered the spread... They were flat in the first How 10 fa- minutes. All right, so yeah. they weren't flat today. Yeah, They were true. flat in the first quarter of the game. Yes. All right. Which a lot of people probably saw, and maybe you're thinking, oh, Kansas isn't as good. Let's keep in mind, Penn is not a typical 16 seed. Pure power rings, Penn should have been a 14 seed. So the team they played today, Kansas, vastly underseeded, at least two spots, in my opinion, Penn, their opponent. I think that creates some value for this upcoming game against Seton Hall. A little bit of a cheap number. Kansas, I think there's been value on them in the marketplace. The reason it's not best bet material, minus four and a half, one thing I did see today, Kansas still playing without their center, Azubuki. Knee brace, only played three minutes. And even Bill Self said... Did you get a sense he could have played more? No, he did not look like he was very mobile. And Bill Self mentioned, hey, we struggled in the first 10 minutes because when our outside shot isn't hitting, a lot of times we can go down to the big guy down low to bail us out. They don't have that security blanket right now. That's why it's not a best bet, but it's still a like for Kansas. Now, we were talking, and again, we've been taking our bows because you guys have done a heck of a job on the Dream Preview last couple of weeks especially, but we had been talking about Kansas isn't super motivated in the Big 12 tournament. And then we said, ah, First round, they're going to be motivated because it's revenge against Okie State. Second round, because it's in-state rival, Kansas State. And then, oh, they messed around and got a triple-double. No, they messed around and won the Big 12, right? Okay. So, but they're tired. You know, it, it would seem the beginning being sluggish, you could speak to. Maybe that's why Self isn't so hot on playing all those Big 12 conference tournament games. Wouldn't a 48-hour turnaround, like... Whatever fatigue factor a team has on Thursday, my gut feeling is that fatigue factor is a little bit more on Saturday, meaning having one off day, 48 hours to turn it around, that feels like that is a net negative for their rest slash fatigue factor. Whereas if they had two days off, I'd say they're probably a little more rested. They have three days. Now, obviously more rested than if they had one, but I'm saying more rested than they would have been on the first game. If, if let's say they played on Thursday, Sunday, and if they played Thursday, Monday, I would say for sure they're more rested than they were Thursday. So first of all, you agree this Kansas team, whatever amount of fatigue 
they had today, they'll have slightly more on Saturday. I do agree that they'll have more fatigue, but I just saw them shorthanded in the Big 12 in that championship game, third game in three days, of what I consider a top 10, top 15 West Virginia team, and Kansas played their one of their best halves of the season in the second half of that game. If they weren't extremely tired then, I don't think it's going to be an overwhelming So you factor. don't think fatigue was the factor in them looking so flat in the first 10 minutes? Yeah, they just missed some outside shots. And you're playing a 16 seed, I thought seed, you just RJ. told us earlier today that outside, earlier this show, the outside shots is a sign of missing those is a sign oh, of Oh, yeah. I mean, you're catching. Yes. <laughs> it, I mean, yeah, a little bit, but I thought it was more. And, and let's face it. One thing I did see today, particularly at that site, the rims were a li- little tight. You could tell. You can almost hear the sound on it. All those games today, with the exception of one, flew under the to- way under the total in that arena today, RJ. Okay, so what you're saying is it's Wichita, Kansas. Yep. Is as you look at Kansas Seton Hall, as we look next at Michigan, Houston, you're looking at the under. Absolutely. Or at least you're leaning that way because yep. tight rims. 153 and a half right now in the Kansas. Any thoughts on that? No thoughts because, I mean, Seton Hall is a team that does like to get up and run up and down the floor. And a big reason why that game against NC State went way over is. Uh, the officiating was quick on the whistle. A lot, I think, sixty plus foul shots combined in that one. Last question on this game: Seton Hall. What did you? What was your upgrade uh, power ratings adjustment f- from their game today? What was your main takeaway? One point. Very impressive. Mar- uh, upgrade. Upgrade for Seton Hall. Impressive. Market was all over. One of the bigger movers today. Seton Hall went from like what two and a half to three and a half. So. People who bet them obviously cashed their tickets. Didn't have to really worry at any point in the game. Seton Hall led pretty much from start to finish, so there was never a worry in that. About a point upgrade, and majorly because Seton Hall got one back one of their best players, Desi Rodriguez, looked good, didn't look like he was tired or fatigued or anything, or rusty. What, maybe a one point isn't enough for Seton Hall, to be honest with you, RJ, now that I'm thinking about it. And one of the things that we've talked about throughout the whole Dream Preview football season, basketball season, is when a team gets bet heavily by the Sharps in a, in one game. It could be they're fading the other team, could be something situational, could be who knows what. But Seton Hall was a four uh, one-and-a-half point opener against NC State, closed four, won by 11. Now, just in a, you know, a handful of hours... They open up, Seton Hall does a five and a half point dog, and they're getting bet right away down to four and a half. It seems like now we have a second instance. Now, again, it could be fading the opponent again, but the odds of that twice in a row are, are far less than 50%. It feels like it's more about Seton Hall. Does that cause you pause? Now, obviously, you're getting the benefit of only having to lay four and a half instead of five and a half because of the move, but. The wise guys seem to be putting a stake in the ground and saying, we think Seton Hall is underrated. And I kind of see it. I mean, Seton Hall has covered each of their last seven games, RJ. So, I mean, they've been exceeding expectations for a while now. Here's what concerns me is they've stepped up in competition against elite teams four times this year. Seton Hall's 0-4 straight up against Xavier and Villanova, 1-3 against number three of them blowout losses. Kansas obviously being a one seed mm. and elite level competition. That's my concern with Seton Hall. That is the point of you the were game. looking for. All yeah, right. I, yes. I was. That's good. You got to pull it out of me sometimes. Uh, hey, it's that, late, RJ. I've been watching basketball for fourteen hours straight. No complaining. No, not complaining. This is RJ Bell's Dream Preview. Now back to R.J. Bell's Dream Preview. Fourth game, Michigan favored by five, Houston. Yeah, and here's where I'm really going to dive in on the under. Like the under a lot in this one. If you if you don't like the under, watch the Montana-Michigan game. Very, so what line you seeing on this? Uh, no line on it yet. Projection for me is it's going to be right around 135, 136. All right, so let's put a condition on it because it seems like you. Re- this isn't your best bet, though. No. All right, so what, it, what number 
is the last number you bet the under at, meaning a half point lower, you pass. Uh, 138. And what did you think it was going to come out at? Well, <laughs> the problem is, I mean, but the Michigan game just went under by 30 points. And no, you but, get a but huge let's, let's, let's get to my question. I think it's going to come out at 138. I think it's going to get bet down, though. All right, but what I'm saying is you are... You'd bet at one thirty eight under. Yep. You won't bet under one thirty seven and a half. No, I, I'll still no. So so then no, let I, me, I let me re-ask there. the question. Yes. No problem. It's late. Yes. Let me re-ask the question. What is the last number? The lowest number might be the best one. One thirty five. All right. So at one thirty five yes. you bet under. Yep. At one thirty four and a half you don't. I don't. All right. So you really like, but not a best bet under one thirty five or better or yep. higher. Go. And main reason, obviously, and it's going to be pricing the number rims uh, at this arena in Wichita looked very tight. So you say you say that, but if it, there is a, a total on the Kansas Seton Hall, and I'm not saying you're wrong, but you're saying I expect it to be priced in. Well, the opening move was one, over, was over one fifty two and a half to one fifty three and a half. So maybe so, but you know, so far at least the one game at this location with a total has gone up. Yeah, and I think a lot of that it has to do with the Seton Hall NC State game being the one of the four games that went over and I like I mentioned, main reason that one went over is cuz 60 plus foul shot attempts in that game, especially sloppy in the second half. Now, in this particular game, you got two top 20 defenses. Michigan's defense is not getting the respect it deserves, clearly top 5 in the country. And a Michigan program has not been known for defense for the last 10 years. And it's come out of nowhere. Average defensive ranking for Michigan, 73rd the last 10 years. This year in the top five. Going to also lean with John Beeline in Michigan. Beeline in Michigan cover today. Beeline, the best coach there is in the NCAA tournament, 21-9 and against the spread. 70% in his entire career. Lean Michigan minus five, prefer under. Next game. Oh, wait. That's our four. Now it's time for a little RJ story time. Went to the Bellagio. I, le- I love to go play cards. When the uh, recreational card players are in town, up, you know they're up since five a.m. getting their seats in the sports book. They wander over the two five game, and I will. I, like, I'm very friendly, <laughs> but it was nice because I was able to tie this with some friends from Atlanta, two fellows down there on ESPN Atlanta Drive Time. Really nice guys. Um, been doing their segment this year. Got a great Atlanta loves gambling. I didn't realize it. Great response down there. Eight at so I was real happy. So uh, dinner was at seven, and I got there about five thirty, figuring I'll get my line pass, play some cards, and you know get done with dinner, come up to record this. And I just love. There's something sick, and it's sick. Something sick about how much I love when. I can win enough to pay for dinner just sitting down a little bit before dinner. You might think, you know, so I, I end up winning 120 bucks in like, you know, a little bit, an hour and change. And you might think, you know, hey, who doesn't want 120 bucks, right? What do you think in the scheme of things, it's 120 bucks. But, and if I'm playing and I'm down 1700 and I lose 120, now I'm down 1820, I, you know, what's the difference? Yep. If I'm up, you know, 1700 and then I'm up 1820, but it's that difference between showing up with a certain amount, <laughs> playing, having fun, eating a, a, a literally Roman type layout at the buffet and then leaving with more money in my pocket than I came with. That's a good night. It, it, it just warms my heart. I mean, <laughs> like it, it, if you want to understand me, just understand how happy that makes me, right? So then we go to the buffet. So it's, um, now the catch 22, I guess is, you know, so I'm going to pay, right? Cause John Kincaid, another guy from that station, he was in town. We're actually, we actually pre-recorded one of our Vegas truth interviews that will be coming out in the next month or so with Kincaid. Great. For those that don't know, he's a CBS national guy. He's also local in Atlanta, Kincaid. And he had two bouts of cancer in his 30s before he even got into radio. And then he told himself, I beat this. I'm going to quit. He had like a hedge fund job. He was making huge money in finance. He said, I want to do talk radio, beat the cancer and went into radio and then had a, you know, he's had a great career. He was at ESPN for a long time. He used to film for Colin a bunch. First guy ever to put me on 
national radio actually 10 years ago. So, um, so I bought him dinner a couple weeks, you know, about, I guess, Super Bowl week. So they're like, you got to buy us dinner. So I'm like, all right. So they got two hosts and then their board or their producer, but they show up. There's like eight people there. Oh, no. So I'm like, you know, I'm like, how are we going to, you know, how are we going to handle this? I'll pay for you guys. So finally, <laughs> so it ends up, I, I pay for three of them. And then my buddy's there, my best buddy, George. So I end up having to, you know, pay for the, the five. So I guess I actually left with less money in my pocket and you got to pay for parking now, which is, mm. it just infuriates me. It's that same kind of sick mentality. But here was the part I could not, not tell because it's important to realize. I saw a move at a buffet today. I've never seen. Now, I've been in Vegas 20 years. I used to like buffets a ton before I came to Vegas. I remember, you know, listen, before I knew better, I was a KFC fan. Again, KFC, fast food, it's fine. You know, I think if I had to eat fast food, it's probably pretty high on the list, right? But if you're in a big city with Yelp these days, there's all kind of little hole in the walls. You know, you don't need the fast food unless you're in a, you know, town you don't know or, you know, if you're really fast is the key, right? Okay. But on a, that's an interesting question, Brad, is, you got to eat fast food, meaning chain, 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 yep. drive through style. Not, you know, not like uh, a chain you can, you know, TGIF or whatever. Yeah. What's your top three? Here in Vegas? Well, yeah. Where else are you? Yeah. Farmer Boys. You've ever oh, read that? that? Oh, that burger place? Yeah, you don't they like that? They have them? like the sesame bun. It's like all kind of sesame seeds on There's it. There's some sesame, but uh, not all their stuff. No. Uh, go ahead. All right. Wrong. I got to think. Uh, you gotta think. Well, and you're talking. Does Panda Express count? They have a drive-through. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. I can get Chinese drive-through. Okay. All right. Uh, let me think. That maybe Subway because you can get drive-through Subway. <laughs> I am not the food guy that you are. You got. You got to teach me, RJ. <laughs> I don't but, think you want to necessarily yeah. learn this. All right. Anyway, I'd put KFC out there. But here's the thing, KFC. And 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 I guess this is somewhat regional, but Del Taco to me the best. Uh, you know, hey, Taco Bell's Taco Bell, but Del Taco. If, I think it's West Coast only. I love. I still remember. We've got a guy who runs our customer service. Mark. He was my roommate in college, and um, you know, so we uh, we live. Well, we were dorm mates, but on, in different rooms. My freshman year, and then we lived together a couple years, and. Uh, you know, real loyal guy, but he's an eater. I mean, like, <laughs> like 400 pound kind of guy. And, uh, he wasn't a good influence. Let's just say that. But I remember we hit town. This would have been 98. He, he moved out here with us and he found Del Taco, which we never had heard of. <laughs> and he loved the spicy chicken burrito. And it was a buck 35. And this is 1998. <laughs> And for the next 20 years, well, no, he's, he moved back to Ohio. He works remotely now, I think like eight years ago. But for the next 12 years, he'd come in and say, God darn it, they're up to a buck 45. <laughs> and then like, you know, eight months later, they're up to, you know, dollar 80. And it was like, you know how they have a picture they take of someone every year and you can see them getting fatter and balder and it's kind of sad. It was like that, 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 that line just kept going up, 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 <laughs> up, up. And he, he kept buying them though, right? He never yeah. said it was too, you know, I guess they were smart. They never got him to stop buying. <laughs> That's funny, actually. But <laughs> all right. So rounding it all back, this is a, a buffet trip. Oh, what I was going to say about KFC, there was one, KFC in Wheeling, West Virginia. Right, so I grew up in Ohio, but Wheeling was right across the river that had a buffet. Have you ever seen a KFC? No. I'm thinking there's like maybe seven of them in the country. <laughs> and I was so, fr and it was just like all the potatoes, you know, imagine a big vat of those yeah. potatoes and the mac and cheeses, you know, all runny. I didn't care. And my sick mind is like, it's five ninety five. all you can drink soda. Like if I took a girl over, yeah. I'd, I'd actually split the soda. <laughs> you know, we just drink from the same one. But so I love buffets. So when I got to Vegas, it's like, these are actually pretty good buffets, right? Well, I saw a trick today I've never seen before, ever. My, you know, again, my best buddy, George, he likes to eat. He has his first play. And you, let's be candid. If you have men at a buffet, it's usually two big plates 
and a couple of desserts, right? Yeah. Now, if you're local, you have to keep the one dessert. If you get that second dessert, you're you're going to have big trouble soon enough, right? But if you're <laughs> visiting, you know, I've seen people eat six or seven desserts, right? Because they're only doing it once or twice a year. But, and and occasionally you'll see someone get a salad first and then two plates and a dessert. So first plate, George, humongous. It's like spilling off the sides. Eats the whole thing, all right, obviously. Second plate, humongous. I mean, like, remember, it's not just the width, but it's the it's the depth, right? <laughs> you can really pile that stuff, almost have two yeah. plates in one. His thing was piled to the, to the sky, right? Eats the whole thing. Comes back for, you know, dessert. Whole plate, he gets a whole dinner plate, has like four separate little desserts on there. Okay, this is a bunch, but I've seen it before. Here was the revelation. I look, and he's like three, you know, there's like eight, nine people. He's like three people down. I look, and I look. He has a piece of pizza <laughs> slid just to the far left of his plate. So after his two humongous plates and the four desserts he's bringing back, he, I, I'm guessing he was waiting. Do I just bring his pizza back by myself, it, by itself, eat it, and go back for a fourth? He said, no, this was the innovation. Yeah. He slid the pizza in. He ate the pizza. Eh, wiped his mouth, then he ate the desserts. Wow. I've never seen him. And how long were you guys at the buffet? Well, those radio guys talk. All right, all right. <laughs> I'm, like the, I'm like the yeah. one not talking. Imagine that. I can't imagine <laughs> that. <laughs> but, but that was a move. Yeah. Pizza, wow. <laughs> I can't wait to but tease it. But it was the yeah. guts. To yeah. me, it was pizza or not pizza. It was the guts of of sliding it. On the dessert plate. Into the dessert plate. Just because a lot of people would be ashamed of that. No. And he had no shame. Did you confront him about it? I did. And he yeah. just kept eating it. It was like <laughs> in his mouth and he just kept chewing. All right. Four <laughs> games to go. Freegame.com. That was Brad Powers. Oh, wait. No. That was RJ Bell. Me. We are joined by Brad Powers. Can I say one thing before I get killed on Twitter? No. Uh, in and out. Oh. I can't believe I didn't mention it. Oh, out. you're right. Yeah, I know. Before I get killed. My goodness. You know something? It's almost like anything. It doesn't matter if it's like, oh, um, you know, I think Sinatra could sing a little bit. No matter what you say is it's like there's a backlash eventually. Like, you know, uh, the ringer or something will come out with, uh, you know, reconsidered. Was Sinatra really a good singer? Like, no matter what, no matter how objectively true, and I love the ringer, but let's call a spade a spade, is no matter how objectively true it is, there's always going to be the contrarians, right? This Bill Simmons, and I guess that's why I was thinking of the ringer, Bill Simmons is like, oh, in and out's garbage. What? Yeah, I, I'm not sure how much, listen, I wrote for Grantland, I very much respect Bill and everything he's doing, and Cousin Sal had me on the pod this year, his pod. But if you don't like In and Out, I don't understand it. I don't either. And, I mean, and like, it's just what burger the, do you like? Yeah, yeah I, I don't understand. I just love how they run their business. Like oh, that's the simplicity true too. of that's it. That's true too. That's true too. All right, <laughs> Tennessee favored by six against the big upset, the one upset Loyola. That line opened four and a half. Now. Real quick, let's talk about Dave Astler's last point he emailed. Now, you made, Brad, a you know, very excellent point. Shop, have multiple outs. Astler made a, a related excellent point. You want to bet either, if you're serious, again, it's back to betting like a pro, very early or very late. So if you think there's value early, gobble it up, because if there is value, the sharps are often going to agree with you. right? And... The value late comes if you disagree with the moves, right? Yep. So let's say this game gets up to, I'm not saying it will, but Tennessee gets up to seven and a half. All of a sudden now you didn't like Loyola at four and a half, five, five and a half, but finally you do, or it gets to that point where there's value. So if you can bet very early, bet very late because you're going to be, that's where the extremes are going to be oftentimes with the line. Handicap this game. Well, you got two teams that are well more known for their defense than offense. Is it pricing the total? Absolutely. 130, I'm still going under, though. And here's why. Slow tempo for both teams. Is it like? This is a lean, RJ, because I do think it's somewhat pricing the total. Not enough for me. 
And, and can I also say, if there's been one significant trend so far, counting the first four games, uh, the Dayton games, the under's 14 and six so far in the first 20 games of the NCAA tournament. Re- a lot of reasons for it increased defensive intensity. And obviously more careful, at least on the offensive side of the ball, as far as possessions, you don't see outside of Trey Young, a lot of teams taking 30 foot three point shots. There's a, you know, more use of the shot clock. What I saw with Loyola Chicago, obviously slower temple today against Miami, Tennessee's defense doesn't get the respect of say Virginia, but they're right up there. The volunteers top five, most efficient defense in the country under 130 for the lean for me. Thoughts on the side. Six is starting to get a little pricey, uh, but you got to respect Tennessee blowout win didn't extend a lot of energy against Wright State. You got to respect the SEC four and zero start should be four and zero against the spread if not for the Kentucky last shot. But I I understand the line move there, and Loyola Chicago just had the, their biggest win probably in school since what thirty forty years hitting a last second shot. That's an emotional game for them. I got to think they're celebrating tonight. So. Big picture overview sense, not so much with this team. If you pull a big upset, and again, now when we say big, you know, objectively they were a one point dog, but again, to make the second round of the NCAA tournament for this program is a big win, regardless of who was favored. Do you find that they tend to suffer the next game? Because I've, again, maybe I'm just remembering the runs, you know, the Florida Gulf Coast type runs. And it's just my memory is faulty because I, I'm forgetting the times the balloon gets burst really quick. In general, if Loyola had to be in one of two situations, one is a huge win, like you were saying, a celebration. Number two is somehow, some way they got to buy into the second round, which I guess isn't a good example because they'd be rested or maybe somehow they're playing a team. They were a nine point favorite somehow is would you really prefer one or the other? And if so, why? That's a great question. Uh, case by case, I guess I prefer the team to maybe win comfortably. They didn't extend. There wasn't a huge emotional thing. I guess it also depends. So it's, it's, it's emotional fatigue as much, maybe. Yeah, because, I mean, it was the shot of the day in the NCAA tournament. A buzzer beater, you know, you're storming But in court. a way, that could energize you. Yeah, it could. And that's why, again, I mentioned this a lot on the uh, the Dream Podcast, the the first one we did this week. That's why it's a little more art than science. Yeah, I agree, and, and that's why many of these games are falling close to yes. numbers. The numbers are right. Yes, right. So, um, last question for me on this game. So, another obviously SEC team, um, and and it seems like they're getting bad here, right? Yep. So, I guess my only other question is this: this whole idea of, of psychic toll is. Would you say, and I had never thought of this. This is what's great about talking this stuff through. Let's say you said, I want to find the favorites of less than seven points. So it's not just because if you just have any team, you're going to have all the the, the number one seeds, typically. Uh, Not always. Is favorites in round two of seven or less who had, who cruised in the first game. So... Wasn't so much about the margin. Maybe they only win by nine, but if you just look at the average score in the second half, they're up by you know ten points or more on average throughout the whole second half. Doesn't really you know, margin. Obviously, if the margin gets back to two or three, then there was some psychic burn at the end. But if they just cruise, however you objectively define that, do you feel like with the short turnaround that that might be something? There might be some hay to make there. Meaning, find the teams that cruised. They didn't have that drain of a of a really tough game, and forty eight hours later, being spared that draining experience of a really tight game benefits them greatly in the second game. I think it makes a lot of sense, and probably half my handicaps here. I mentioned that a lot of the team didn't extend a lot of effort today. Yeah, because fatigue. Because remember, these teams typically play two games a week. Turning around in 48 hours is unusual. Now, do you tend to look at the start times and do they try to go early, early? So let's just take like a gander here is looking at, um, let's see here, what game we want to look at. So Michigan played at 725 Pacific 
and now Michigan's playing at 6.40. So they're, do they tend to try to line up early start, early start? They do. It used to always be like almost pinpoint exact. Now they kind of stagger the time. So you can get that rare instance where a team played maybe a, a night game, and now because of their name brand, maybe they're in locked into the early start time on a Saturday. It so, does happen. So whatever the fatigue handicap is in that game, it's more important. Absolutely. All right, so recapping this game then, you uh, pretty neutral on the side and on the total. Lean under. All right, three games to go. Texas Tech, Florida. Texas Tech favored by one. Like Florida. I think Texas Tech, a team that I thought was going to be a contender coming in this NCAA tournament, saw enough after one game. Maybe I'm overreacting, but I'm kind of waving the white flag. Huge misleading game against Texas Tech. I mean, you're gonna, if you look at the final, and there's a lot of games going on. Hey, Texas Tech favored by 11, one by 10. Met expectations. I downgraded Texas Tech a point and a half of my power ranks today. They were getting beat by eight points in the second half. A lot of the last two minute foul shenanigans where Stephen F. Austin missed a shot, foul. Texas Tech made a couple free throws that extended the margin. And on the other side. I thought Florida in the late game today was as dominant as any team in, in the country. And coming into the tournament, Florida was kind of a Jekyll and Hyde team where they'd have this season two, three games where they lose and just look awful. And then they'd have a game like against Kentucky where the only loss Kentucky's had in the last month here at Florida, Florida just crushed them by 20. Florida has a high ceiling, top 10 caliber ceiling. And if repeat performances from today's games, Florida's clearly the right side here. And we talked about during the main dream preview this week how teams are a little bit more desperate. They're willing to take the chance, even if there's a 20 to 1 shot of coming back, they keep fouling. Yep. Which can, but really, it works against unders. Yep. But it also gives favorites of six, seven, eight, nine point, even nine, a better chance to cover than they would games they probably shouldn't cover than the chance they would to do the same in the regular season. It absolutely does. And that was nearly the case today with Texas Tech. Would have had a miracle, a miracle cover had they just made one more foul shot. So as much as you like Florida here getting the one, one of these two games is your best bet. Yes. Not this one. Not you like it one. even more. Yes. The Ohio State University. You know, when you just win and win <laughs> and win, it just it, it, it becomes second nature. I'm not saying that's a bad thing. As a Buckeye grad, Gonzaga, Zags minus three. And, and I got to start because you think these two teams haven't played for a while. They actually did play earlier this year. Notable to mention, Gonzaga, one of the first games of the season, won 86-59, to neutral court game in that one. A lot of things have changed. Obviously, Ohio State, one of the surprise teams in the country. Looked good today, RJ. Pushed. I mean, I, I guess... They're used to, to winning, but they, they haven't been covering lately. The, the Buckeyes have only covered one of their last six games, RJ, with that push today. Now, Gonzaga, 15 straight wins, but Gonzaga's been overpriced in the marketplace. 5-12 and 12 against the number. A lot of times, though, in that huge role. And the only two games out of that 17-game span. When you say huge, huge favorite Huge role. favorite role. Only two times had they been in that 17-game span, Gonzaga, less than a six-point favorite. Easy wins and covers in both games. So a lot of it, it's just been Gonzaga laying 12, 15, not covering spreads, but still winning games. This one's a low low, low number here with Gonzaga minus three, but here's why I'm leaning with the Buckeyes. All I had to do was read the quotes after the games, and here's a quote from their best player, Ohio State, uh, Keita uh, Bates-Diop in this one. The whole team is excited for this one, talking about this Gonzaga game. We've been wanting this matchup ever since the bracket came out. And I think the Buckeyes definitely licking them li- their lips with Gonzaga, kind of a misleading game. 6-0 run for Gonzaga to finish the game. Otherwise, they would have lost outright. I just wonder, though, it's, it's back to the old, can the amp go past 10? <laughs> Is in the round of 32, do you need extra motivation? I mean, you're the dog. Well, do you need Ohio State hasn't been in the NCAA tournament in the last three years, so a lot which of, reinforces they don't need extra motivation. But yet, the post game interview with the head coach, he didn't even answer the question to start off. He he just totally. I love all the media folks out there. Gave my team extra motivation for picking a lot of you guys out there picking South Dakota State over my team. Fully used it as that was the, his first sentence out of his mouth after the game today. But I, I guess I might need a little more when you're a big favorite. 
right? Do, do you yeah. take this team seriously and you use that? But if you're the dog, you better take the game seriously yeah. regardless. That's, I'm not saying you're wrong. I'm, I just wonder how much of this motivation stuff matters unless we're talking big, big favorites. But you do, is it a lean? Lean. All right, before the best bat. And we didn't do this on purpose either. It's just how the, the way the chips fell. Before the best bat, let's explain what's coming up. So you've got your Friday games taken care of with the main pod, which we did all the first round games. Saturday taken care of here. Sunday, you might be thinking, what do we do? Well, straight out of Vegas, Fridays at 11 p.m. to midnight. Saturday starts an hour earlier, 10 to midnight. Now, that's Pacific time, Saturday, 10 to midnight, and Friday, 11 to midnight. Now, you might say, hey, I'm asleep. I get it, right? Is we, I will be saying, I usually do, but I will certainly send out the podcasts on my Twitter. His Twitter handle is at RJ in Vegas. So we will make a point on Saturday to look at the eight Sunday games and go through them like this. I might not tell retell the buffet story, but <laughs> otherwise we might debate a little yeah. in and out, but we will have Fezzik will be in too. So we'll have that extra info. So guys, if you haven't checked out straight out of Vegas, this is the perfect week. Sunday morning, early, early, I'll tweet out the link and, or you can go to SoundCloud, which is an interesting platform. We put it out on, just go to soundcloud.com slash pregame. You can get it even earlier than my tweet and it'll be right there for you to gobble up. And as we said, next week, we'll have the Thursday, Friday action in the normal dream preview. And then we'll do a Thursday night. We can do that, Brad. Yep. Thursday night, look, just four games and maybe a little bit of food talk. And then, <laughs> and then same thing next Saturday, we'll look at the Sunday action. So you can get previews on every game, either right here on the Dream Preview or through straight out of Vegas, Fox National Radio, link to the podcast re, uh, of it on my Twitter. Best bet time. Don't know about the future. That's anybody's guess. Ain't no good reason for getting all depressed. Fire up your pad and pencil. I give you a piece of my mind. And we're doubling down, believe it or not, on Kentucky. Minus six against Buffalo. Main reason, outlier. It doesn't get any bigger of an outlier than what Kentucky just had in the game against Davidson. Kentucky did not make a three-point shot, RJ. That's an outlier, right? Well, it's even a bigger (laughs) bigger outlier. Kentucky, it's their first game in 30 years that Kentucky didn't make a three-point shot. Longest in the history of the NCAA, 1,047 games. Their opponent, Kentucky's opponent, Davidson, hit 11. So Kentucky, one key area tonight, minus 33 points. And still, depending on what number you got, could have covered the spread, the minus four and a half or five, depending on the number. Buffalo off their biggest win, maybe in school history, crushing Arizona by 20. What does that do? Obviously, that gets the attention of a Kentucky team and John Calipari, a deeper Kentucky team, that used it today, at least coming down the final minutes of that game to extend a little bit of margin until the final three-point shot against Davidson. I like Kentucky off that value, off that outlier performance. Zero three-point makes. Buffalo, meanwhile, tonight hits 16. So 16-0, that creates a little bit of value, in my opinion. I'm going down and taking the Wildcats minus six. That's a strong handicap. I I mean, we always talk about misleading, faulty finals, misleading finals. Wowza. And and that and let's be candid. Implicitly, what you're heading at is guys, this is I'm gonna talk right <laughs> now. All right. Hey guys, listen. Some of you won, some of you pushed on my Kentucky, but let's be candid. They didn't make any threes. How great of a freaking pick was that? Is yes, that what you're saying? That's exactly what you I'm saying. You didn't want to say it. Yes. Hey, let's give Brad a little love. He's here past eleven. Follow him on Twitter. If you're ever gonna do it, here's a little here's a suggestion. I'm pretty good at grading, assessing risk. Follow at Brad Power Seven. Brad, P O W E R S, and the mysterious number seven. Brad Power Seven. If you don't like him when the final four is over, just unfollow him and go F you. You know, you can do it like with a sneer. My guess is you're going to keep following him. Great info from Brad. 
Follow me if you want to get straight out of Vegas at RJ in Vegas. And guy, hey, I think just us showing up tonight is worth this. Talk to you next week. Thanks for listening to RJ Bell's Dream Preview. Catch the Wise Guy Roundtable each week. College basketball released on Wednesday. Don't bet on it on Friday. Don't miss any winners. Subscribe on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen. Visit podcastone.com and download the Podcast One app.